Good to see each one of you that have come to be with us. If you're our guest today, we certainly want to invite you to come back and be with us again. I always tell people, give us a second chance or another chance, amen. And so we're so glad that you have joined us today. And uh, we've got a lot of folks that are out and about, holiday season. Preachers love it and then they hate it. <laughs> People business, amen. Y'all have mics? No, I'm not on. All right, now I'm on. Okay, yeah. All right, so I won't uh, get right into our message today. Appreciate Glenn doing all the announcements for me, and uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, so. Uh, make sure you go out in the back, sign up for all those things that you need to uh, sign up for. And our, my wife's been, and Pam. In the last two years, and I know you'll enjoy that again if you, if you can be a part of that. And uh, but today's the day, last day, last call. Okay, and you can bring a friend. We wanted to reserve. Uh, the, uh, for our church folks, but you know, you've had that chance. So now, if you have a guest, welcome to bring that guest. We're going to look at the book of John, chapter one. We're going to preach today on a subject I've called Why Did God Send Us His Son? Why did God send us His Son? In the Gospel according to John, chapter one, in verse one, a very familiar verse, says, In the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we know in 1 John it tells us there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the Word, and the Spirit. And so who is the Word? The Word is the second person of God's divine trinity called Jesus. He is the only begotten divine Son of God. But in the beginning, we know that he was the Word. That word, Word, um, it comes from the word Logos. Uh, it means that he is a pushed out image. He is the one that reveals to us what God is like and who God is. And verse 14 says this, And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld the, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so he became this word, the second person of the Trinity became flesh. Comes from the Greek word carne. You ever had chili con carne? Well, that means chili with meat. You didn't know what that was. Now you feel enlightened, right? You'll enjoy it a lot more next time you eat chili with, with meat in it. And so Jesus became meat. He became flesh. He became blood. He became human as we know that God is a spirit, right? And they that worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth and so 
as we think about that today, uh, as we enter this Christmas season. Uh, it's always an exciting time. I assumed everybody had Thanksgiving, right? Everybody thank God for your turkey. Amen. Some of it. Some of it, yeah. I heard about a lady that cooked her first turkey, and she told her, her, her husband and her kids, said, I'm going to bring this turkey, I'm going to put it on the table, and said, if it's not any good, without comment, y'all get up and go to the car, and we'll go to a restaurant to eat our Thanksgiving dinner. And sure enough, she went in and she cooked her very first turkey. Evidently, she did not have a good reputation as a cook. And when she walked out of the kitchen with the turkey, she noticed that her family was sitting there with her coats on. <laughs> I hope yours was better than that. But today, a lot of people are confused about the meaning of Christmas. I heard about, I read about a little boy that was seen uh, in a store and he was reading a a Christmas card, and on that Christmas card there was a de depiction of baby Jesus and the manger. And he said, he was heard to say, can you imagine that? Now they're trying to drag religion into Christmas. <laughs> well, sad to say a lot of people feel like that today. Because many people confuse Christmas with the tinsels and the toys and the fairy tales, uh, my grandson went and saw the Polar Express yesterday, a live presentation of the Polar Express. Got to ride the train, grapevine, and all, all of that. And he loved it. He, and it's great, you know, if you've never seen, read the book or seen the movie, it's, you know, it's well done. I, I, I will say that. Uh, but uh, I talked to my daughter this morning, and she said, now, we're going to church this morning, and we're going to light the Advent candle to begin the Christmas season. He said, well, I hope it's on the train, <laughs> the Polar Express train. And I told her, I said, fix his eyes back on Jesus, amen. Let's keep Christ in Christmas because, uh, you know, we, we confuse kids. You know, to a lot of kids, thanks, uh, our Christmas is nothing, uh, it's, it's about the, uh, the red-nosed reindeer. Or it's about the about Frosty, the, the snowman. Uh, or it's about other stories and things that, uh, that, are, that go along with uh, Christmas. Sledding uh, on, on snow or, or dreaming of a white Christmas or, or dreaming about going home. And all those things are good and in their place. Uh, people uh, sing about eating hot chestnuts. I've never... Eating a hot chestnut. I've eaten hot cashews before. They're pretty good. But it all remains to be seen to the fact that those things, as good as they are, are not the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is about celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Period. A lot of people would say, well, Christmas, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas be, uh, because it is satanic or it's cultish. No, really, the celebration of Christmas started about the 4th century when people decided that we were going to 
celebrate the birth of Jesus. Was Jesus born on December 25th? No, probably not. But you can celebrate birthdays anytime that you want to, right? You ever celebrated somebody's birthday or maybe your own birthday on a different day? My birthday is the 22nd of January. But there's been times when it was not celebrated until another day. Now, if you want to give me a gift on 22nd of January, that's okay, you know. But, but nevertheless, we understand that we can worship and we can celebrate the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ any time that we want to set that day. And so today, we, as we look about the meaning of Christmas, understand that Matthew tells us all about it. He talks about this virgin by the name of Mary that was espoused to a fellow by the name of Joseph. Espousal was, a, was like an engagement that lasted for about a year. They did not live together. They lived apart. But during this time, she became PG. That's the way we used to say it. She was with child. And that really upset Joseph to know that his wife, or his espoused wife, was PG. And with that being said, he had some options that he had to make. Number one, no doubt he was ashamed. Ashamed of her, ashamed of himself. He knew it wasn't his baby. And so he had the option to, by law of Moses, could have had her stoned. Or he could have put her away privately or with a writing of divorce. It's a real serious thing back in that day. But an angel appeared to him in a vision, a dream, and told him that this baby was going to be of the Lord and that he was going to be the stepfather. And he did the right thing. He took her, he married her, they had the baby. The baby came, of course, we know the story as we sing away in a manger. And so, as Matthew writes that, he uses as a postscript uh, Isaiah 7, 14, that behold, a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Isaiah Pen 750 years before this baby was born. And then uh, we find that this angel told him that his name would be called Jesus. Now, Emmanuel came from the writing of Isaiah. And the angel told him the name him Jesus. Emmanuel means what? Anybody know? God with Jesus means Savior. And so both of these are right because Emmanuel tells us who he was. Jesus tells us what he would do. That he would be Savior to save his people from their sins. We all fall under that category as sinners, don't we? 
For all have sinned, Paul said, and come short of the glory of God. Well, we don't like those words, but they are true. And really, some of the best words that you'll ever hear when you come to terms with the fact that you are a sinner in the eyes of God. Because we like to justify our sin, don't we? We like to say, I'm okay. Or I'm better than somebody else. But in the eyes of God, he says, Thou art the man. There is none righteous, no, not one. If you keep the whole law and you offend in one point, you are guilty of all. And so that was Jesus' job, to save us from our sin. And Christmas, Christmas is a celebration of the incarnation. Incarnation, in the carne, God becoming flesh, becoming meat, becoming human. The word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. That word dwell comes from the word that we get tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. And so God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The question is, why did God send us his son? I think it's an honest question, don't you, Ray? To, to know why he did it. It's one thing to know that he did it, but it's human nature for us to say, but why? We've been asking that question ever since we were kids. Why? You ever ask that, Jackson? Why? You got to go do something. Why? <laughs> My daddy always said, because I said so. That's why. <laughs> that was all the, all the answer that I ever got. And uh, so understand, I, get, I got three things that I'd point out to you today. If you want to jot them down on the, there's not a puzzle on your bulletin today, but I left a place there you could write the outline down. Number one, the incarnation is about revelation. Remember that. Revelation. What do you mean, preacher? Because of the fact that God revealed himself to us through Jesus. How does God reveal himself to you? You remember the three S's? Number one, he reveals himself through stars. He looks up and he sees the handiwork of God. He's all that is is way back in Genesis. God looks at Just like a watch. A watch tells me one thing, that somewhere there was a creator. It didn't just blow up and fall into a watch. It was always been a creator. There's always been a designer. And so it is with the creation. And then not only does God reveal himself through the stars, but he reveals himself through the scriptures. 
The Bible in the Old Testament points to the cross. And Jesus on that cross, the New Testament points back to Jesus upon the cross. Jesus is the center of the Bible and there is a crimson cord that runs all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And so the third way he reveals himself is not only through the scars, not only through the scriptures, but through his son, through his son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten divine son of God. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the scripture says. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is all of those. I don't have time today, but there are scriptures which tell you that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He is everything that the Godhead is. And so always remember this. Remember when one of the disciples said to Jesus, show us the Father and it will satisfy us or suffice us as from the old English. And Jesus said this, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Case closed. That ought to be good enough for us. The Apostle Paul mentioned this in the book of Colossians. Don't have our slides today, so if you want to take a pew Bible or Maybe you've got a Bible or your device and you look in the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. You know who that's talking about. That's talking about Jesus. Verse 14. Even the forgiveness of sins. Talking about Jesus. Verse 15. Who is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The first one in importance is what that means. But he is the image of an invisible God. You don't know what God looks like? If you take a long look at Jesus, you'll know. That's what he looks like. And so A.T. Robertson says this, Jesus is God spelling himself in a language we can understand. In a language we can understand, we can understand that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. He proved himself. All through the New Testament and the Gospels, he went about to prove that he was who he said that he was, that the prophet said who he was. I don't know about you, but I get uh, telemarketers. I get this guy from India, I believe he's from India, from his accent, that calls me all the time. He is so worried that I do not have sufficient Medicare coverage. Oh, he calls you too, huh? And after he goes on for a little bit, I have to tell him, sir, number one, two things, I forget this, real, real quick, I'll make this real simple. Number one. As far as he's concerned, I'm satisfied. You know, you know how a hospital, a gown, and Medicare are alike? With both of them, you think you killed the victim, don't you? <laughs> but number two, sir, I can't even understand how people 
How can we comprehend who God is? To show us the language we should understand through the human flesh of a man named Jesus who walked and talked upon this planet that we live in. Understand. Michelangelo expressed himself through marble. Rembrandt expressed himself through oils. Handel expressed himself through music. Shakespeare through prose, through verse. God expressed himself through the incarnation by becoming flesh that we could see him and know that he existed. So the incarnation is about what? Revelation. That's why God revealing himself to us in the flesh. Number two. Number two. The incarnation is about identification. Identification. There are many words. Identification. What do you mean by that? Well, remember what he said. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Not only did he reveal himself to us, but he also came to identify himself with us he became flesh just like we are flesh you know jesus is called the son of man 97 times matter of fact jesus more times than any referred to himself as the son of man desiring to be identified with us and there are several verses that show that he desired to be with us and that he cared and still cares for us. You want to flip over to the book of Hebrews. Mike Kaufman used to say this is a book that proves that a man's supposed to make the coffee in the morning because it says Hebrews. I thought it was funny. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, first of all, we see that he is a merciful high priest. There's no greater thing that you can say about anyone is the fact that they're a merciful person. Merciful person. And the very fact that Jesus did what he did shows that. And it says he, he suckers them. Now, that's a word, that's an old English word. We don't use that. Uh, 
And, and basically, I looked it up in the Greek, and it means to assist or to help. He came to be like us so he could understand us and be touched by our problems and assist us. How good is that? If you created something, you probably wouldn't want to be one. If you made a if you made a horse, you probably wouldn't want to be a horse, would you, Justin? No, I wouldn't either. I, I don't I don't I won't get into that, but that's the best illustration I can do this juncture. Then over to the book of Hebrews, chapter four. And verse 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold, fold, hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but it was in all points tight, tempted like as we are yet without sin. Touched. Jesus was touched by our situation and our condition to the point that he was willing to do something about it. And he was willing to enter into, notice what it says here, he was tempted like we are. That means that he became uh, a, uh, I wrote it down, what did I write it down at? Enter into a fellow feeling. A fellow feeling. That's how touched he is. That he uses that old phrase, and it was really, you know, a lot of people made fun of it when Bill Clinton said, I, I, you know, I, I, I I, I, I'm entering into your feelings. I, I hurt like you do. I feel like you do. That's what Jesus did. When he became flesh, he became like us. And he, he understood what it meant to hurt in the flesh. To be tempted in the flesh. He was tempted in all points. The only difference was he did not yield to that temptation. Not a sin to be tempted. It's only when we yield that it becomes sin. Someone wrote this, it's an old Scottish psalter. It says, though now ascended upon high, he bends on earth a brother's eye, partaker of the human name. He knows the frailty of our frame. Our fellow sufferer yet retains a fellow feeling of all our pains and still remembers in the skies his tears, his agonies, and our cries and everything that tends the heart. The man of sorrows had a part. He sympathizes with our grief. And to the sufferer, he sends relief. How true that, I, that is. I have a Savior that cares. I have a Savior that left heaven and he came here and he walked among us. He got hungry and he hungry. When he got thirsty, he thirsted. 
and he left heaven and he came down here as the incarnate son of God and as doing that what did he do? He made what? Incarnation means what? Identification. Revelation identification. And so today we can be thankful and grateful for a Savior that cares enough to willing to come and to understand us. Third point. The incarnation is about dying to save us. Dying to save us. That's what he did, Glenn. He died to save us. Remember that. So the incarnation is about that. John 4, 14, the Bible says this, that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. I'm here to tell you today that I cannot save you. Church cannot save you. Baptism cannot save you. Taking the Lord's Supper cannot save you. Coming to Sunday school cannot save you. Being a good mom or a dad cannot save you. Nothing can make you right for God, with God except Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so it's imperative that we understand that the mission of Jesus, why God sent his son to us, is in order that he might reveal himself to us and that he might identify himself with us, but also that he might save us. Oh, what a savior we have. First John 5, 20, it says that we know that the son of God has come. We know, not think, not guess, but we know the evidence is clear that he came, God sent him. He could have said, no, I don't want to go. I mean, there wasn't anything to welcome him here. You're going to go to a corrupt Roman ruler. And they're going to hate you, despise you. They're going to kill you, and they're going to kill your, your, your followers. You are not going to get a warm welcome. Be assured of that, even though you are a king. Even though you deserve to be born in a palace with all the adoration that a king would receive instead you're going to be born in a barn you're going to be born laid in a feed trough you're going to be worshipped by some lowly outcast shepherd but Jesus said I'll go I want to go you can count on me and I'm glad that he did he could have backed out but the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter 3 and 18 that he was put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. Put to death in the flesh. Jesus died on the cross. He came to die in order that through his death we might be saved. That he would come and he would become the Lamb of God as he shed his rich red royal blood on the cross. As Peter recognized, who says that we're not redeemed in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. We're not redeemed with, with silver and gold. But we're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. 
I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I make no apologies. I'm a blood-bought Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Because without the blood, without the blood, there would be no redemption. Without the blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. Without the blood, there would be no missing hell and judgment. Without the blood, there would be no going to heaven. Without the blood, that we would be helpless, that we would be hopeless. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it wasn't the quantity of blood, but it was the quality of blood that counted. He was the rose of Sharon. He was the scepter of Israel. He was the lily of the valley, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the only begotten divine son of God who came from heaven, who was sent from heaven to be the savior of the world. Oh, what a savior. Jesus died on that cross and he lifted up his voice and he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished because they didn't have the power to take his life. He said, I've got the power to lay it down. I've got the power to raise it up. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Three days and three nights later, up from the grave, he arose. And the God declared him to be the son of God. By the resurrection. That's what it says in the book of Romans. And so hallelujah today. Praise be to God. Our sins are washed away. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. First John 1 John 1.7 says if we're, we walk in the light. As he is in the light we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his dear son cleanses us from all sin. I've been washed our greatest need today if our greatest need had been education he would have sent us an educator if it had been technology he would have sent us a scientist if it had been amusement he would have sent us an entertainer but our greatest need was a savior because we needed salvation and Jesus purchased the salvation is full and free and forever. So incarnation is God becoming human flesh, carnation. Incarnation is about God revealing himself to us through his son. Incarnation is about God identifying himself with us through his son. And incarnation is about giving himself to save us. The son of man died that the sons of men might live. As a savior, he forgives us, saves us from judgment, and he saves us for heaven. It's the best deal in town. It really is.